Welcome to the Indoor Environmental Quality Podcast. Thank you for joining me for this episode. First off, I'm sorry it's been so long since I've recorded uh, between episodes. Uh, what can I say? You know, the 2020 has been an interesting year. Quarantine being what it is, world events, just figuring out how to get through everything day to day. Recording really has taken a back seat to to most everything else in life. And, you know, the other thing is I've been meaning to uh, do a coronavirus update and really just have had trouble sorting through the different information that's out there, whether it's masks or no masks, the type of mask, how to clean and dis- disinfect areas, whether or not to run your air conditioning system, what to do to your air conditioning system, if anything. It's been really tough to sort through all that information and to put out something that I think is useful and meaningful and not stir up a bunch of hype and fear. And so I've really just been holding off on that. But uh, recent events have gotten me more motivated to record, and so I've gotten uh, gotten the microphone out today and and decided to record this episode. And so today we're going to talk about disaster recovery. And as I'm recording, Hurricane Laura made landfall in Louisiana yesterday. And if you've seen the news, the storm just absolutely devastated the region. I mean, it's it's heartbreaking to see anytime, anywhere. But uh, definitely when it's an area that you know, people you know, uh, friends are affected. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Um, I'm about two hours east of Lake Charles over here in Baton Rouge. And so I've worked in Lake Charles uh, in that area of the state, uh, Cameron, uh, different parts of that region for more than 30 years. So I've got a lot of friends there, and I'm ready to go over there and help however I can. And so I suspect that we will be getting over there pretty soon. And I'll have some updates as we go. But part of wanting to get over there and, and get started with recovery, it's, it's natural to, to want to get started with the work and get it done as fast as you can. You want to, when you have a problem like this, damage to your home or, or your car or whatever, you want to get that fixed. You want to get stuff cleaned up and you want to get on with your lives. And now, I mean, this year, probably more than ever, given everything that's happened. And when you have a, a, a storm like this come in and turn your life upside down when it probably already was turned upside down, you're going to want to get things cleaned up and put back together as quickly as possible. So I understand that. But sometimes it's just not that simple. I mean, on a good day, storm recovery is not that simple, and especially now it's going to going to be even more so. Uh, besides the obvious things like water damage and mold, there are other hazards that we might have to deal with. We're so fixated on water damage and mold that often we don't stop to consider other environmental and safety hazards. So in this episode, we're going to go over some of the common environmental and safety hazards you probably will encounter during recovery. So if you know someone that has been affected by Hurricane Laura, or maybe you yourself have, um, hopefully these tips can help you or you can share these tips uh, with, with someone. Um, and, and the other thing I got to say is if you've, if you've listened to other episodes, this will be very similar to episode one, where we talk about disaster recovery tips. So here we go though. Uh, tip number one is to contact your insurance company 
uh, right away, uh, as early in the process as you can, and get uh, professional uh, licensed contractors, electricians, consultants before doing any work. Whether it's it's your home or business, uh, you want to get, you're going to have to have a paper trail and you want to get people on board that know what they're doing, know how to deal with insurance companies, um, hopefully to make your life in the long run easier as, as you try to get help paying for the work that's going to need to be done. And the and something else to remember is that recovery is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Unless you have very minor damage or something that is very straightforward and quick and easy to get to and fix, it's going to take a while to get this work done and get the whole process done. So just, just go into it knowing that. The other thing is, tip number two, is to be safe. Your safety is by far the most important consideration. So it's cliche. You hear people say it all the time, but it is true. We can replace buildings. We can replace houses. We can replace stuff, but we cannot replace you. You are important, and you are more important than any building, any any house, any car, um, anything that might be in a building. So just remember that, and um, you know, always be mindful of your safety and the safety of others. When it comes to electricity, if you need to, disconnect from the power company. If you can, get a licensed electrician to look at your system uh, before energizing uh, the system, before restoring power, if, if you feel like there's a problem. Check the main disconnect and the electrical panel. If, if you have water in and around there, that's bad. Um, water and electricity do not go well together. So uh, check appliances for water damage before restore, restoring power to them. And if you have any downed power lines near your home or business, stay well clear of that area. Uh, gas, check for leaks or bad connections. Sometimes structures and piping move during storms or floods. Given the, the winds that we saw from Hurricane Laura and some of the surge, I mean, thankfully the surge was not as bad as what they had forecast, but um, the winds were just awful, um, very powerful winds. And so there are going to be some structures that did move um, during the storm. And so check the structure. Do not go in a structure unless you're certain that it's safe. You know, when in doubt, stay out. You don't want to find out the hard way that uh, a building was not safe to enter because if if a collapse happens or starts as you're in a building, it, it might be too late. So you, if, if there's any doubt whatsoever, stay out of the building. Uh, look out for animals. Uh, they can show up where you least expect them, especially with the water and different things uh, um, until the water recedes and even after. There can be animals uh, in, your, in your home, in your building, and so you never know when you're going to run into a scared dog or a snake or other animal. So always watch out for that. Stay hydrated and wear respiratory protection. So um, we've learned a lot about respiratory protection, PPE. Everybody in the country knows what PPE stands for now, uh, unfortunately. Um, And so you probably are sick and tired of talking about masks and respirators and how to use them or, or when or where. But it's worth mentioning that a regular mask that maybe what you've been wearing for coronavirus uh, depending on the, the restrictions in your area, those masks, unless it's a full-face respirator with HEPA cartridges, they do not protect uh, against um, 
asbestos and lead and certain dusts and, and other contaminants. N95 masks are very good. I know they're hard to get uh, in some areas, but those are pretty good, but they still do not give the same level of protection that, that you need if you're doing asbestos work or working with lead or doing demolition in a lot of cases. So, so check and make sure that you've got the right respirator for the job. Also make sure that you're physically capable to wear a respirator before starting work. Unless you've had a fit test, pulmonary function screen, physical exam, you know, it may not be the right thing to do as far as wearing a respirator. Um, those of us that have had to wear masks and pretty much that that's all of us, I think you'd probably agree that uh, when it comes to just walking down the street, you'd rather have no mask on as opposed to wearing any kind of mask. Same goes for a respirator. So if you're working in an area that's going to be hot, um, you know, no power, no air conditioning, um, it, it's tough to get in there and do work and have a respirator on, uh, even if that's what you need to have the, the, to protect you from asbestos or lead or mold or whatever it is. So uh, be mindful of that. So if you're, not, if you're not sure if it's safe to wear a respirator and get in there and do the work, it, you might not need to do that, but you also don't need to do the work without wearing the PPE. So it's, a, it's kind of like a, a, a double-edged sword. You know, you um, have to make sure that you, you're capable of wearing that respirator or mask before getting in there and doing the work. Also consider wearing a hard hat and eye protection. So as you're doing demolition, things can fall, things fly around, don't want to get hit in the head. Um, you know, ask me how I know. Um, and then the eye protection, you know, safety glasses or goggles are a good idea. If you're, if you're tearing out insulation and things like that, you're talking about a lot of fine dust particles that are going to be all over the place. And you haven't experienced misery until you've gotten some fiberglass stuck in your eye. Uh, just skip that entirely if you can. Uh, tip number three is to get the building and all the materials in it dry. So if you can... Get a hold of some dehumidifiers, get some fans in your home, in your building. Uh, your air conditioner is better than nothing, but, you know, one thing to know is that air conditioners, you know, typical home and commercial, co commercial air conditioning systems are, are not designed to be dehumidifiers. They might dehumidify areas almost by accident, but they are not designed to act as a dehumidifier. So... Um, your air conditioner can help, but don't count on it to get an area dried out fully like what you might need. If you have no power in the building, open the windows and the doors, and we're just going to hope that we can get any help that we can from Mother Nature. may not be much or any, but uh, it's better to have some ventilation than none at all. Remove wet gypsum board, insulation, and carpet. And so... But before you do that, I've got these kind of out of order, but uh, you know, cut me some slack. Um, you want to go on to the next tip before you start ripping stuff out, which is watch out for other environmental issues. This is tip number four. Beware of other environmental issues. When you're gutting a building or a home, demolition could disturb materials that contain asbestos, lead, mercury, PCBs. Also watch out for stored chemicals and and materials, so gasoline, motor oil, pesticides, uh, cleaning chemicals, and things like that. 
watch out for that. So when you're going to go in and you're going to rip out carpet, a lot of times you end up pulling up old asbestos floor tile with that or linoleum. And so a lot of times that those materials have asbestos in them. Even even so-called newer, or at least new to me, homes and, and businesses, there's no date cut off for asbestos or lead. So uh, what that means is you can have relatively new buildings and materials that might have, even if it's a small amount, might have asbestos and lead and other materials in them that you don't want to just go in and start ripping up without uh, taking that into consideration. Uh, Tip number five is to clean, disinfect, and dry the area. So if you're doing cleanup, get those areas white glove clean. So no dust, no debris, no mold remaining in those areas. Bleach kills mold and disinfects, but there are other options that are just as good if not better. You know, one thing with bleach, you're, you're exposing yourself to chlorine. Chlorine's great. Um, you know, I could, I could go on and on about how chlorine helps us day to day when it comes to cleaning and disinfecting things. But if you're exposed to too much chlorine, it's not good for you. So uh, you want to watch out for that. Um, you can use materials like borax and water to clean areas. And the good thing about that, there's a positive residual effect from using borax. You can also use distilled white vinegar to clean mold. And one good thing about distilled white vinegar is you can get it almost anywhere. If you could get to a grocery store, um, more often than not, they are going to have distilled white vinegar. So there may be a run on other cleaners, but distilled white vinegar uh, you might be able to use to clean and disinfect a lot of things. So not, not, not too bad. Now, one thing I also want to say is to watch out for uh, chemical mixes. If, if you are not supposed to mix chemicals, do not. Um, one thing that comes to mind right away is ammonia and chlorine. Do not mix ammonia and chlorine because the resulting compound is toxic. So don't do that. There's some really good commercial products out there like Foster's, Microban, or Shockwave. Uh, We've worked with contractors that have used all of those, and they're pretty good. But the problem with those is those materials can be hard to get unless you know a contractor or unless you're a contractor yourself. And if you're a contractor, you probably already have some, and you didn't need to hear that. Uh, But no matter what you use, read the safety data sheets and the instructions and protect yourself. But get the building dry keep it dry. Okay, moving on to tip number six, salvageable items. So there, there are going to be a lot of materials that you might be able to, to save and keep and reuse. So if you have something like a baby pool or a, a small kiddie pool, a uh, small swimming pool outside your house, if it's clean, um, if you can get to the bathtub or if you've got a big bucket, you can use those as wash stations. So you can wash dishes, utensils, you can launder clothes. There are going to be a lot of things that that you probably will be able to save. And you're just going to have to go on an item item by item or case by case basis to decide if it's worth trying to to clean and keep or if you can. But whatever, get, get the materials dry, keep them dry. So when it comes to appliances, sometimes you can salvage appliances if you dry them out and if you clean them before restoring power to them. 
don't get electrocuted or cause a fire. You can have uh, a wet appliance or appliance that's got water in it, and you restore power to it, shorts out, can cause a fire, and you can get electrocuted. So both definitely not good, and um, you want to avoid that um, really at all costs, obviously. So, so guard against that as best you can. Make sure the circuits and the wiring weren't damaged by water, especially if you think any saltwater intrusion occurred. And there are going to be some areas affected by Hurricane Laura where there was some saltwater intrusion. So you got to watch that. Um, you know, when it comes to your refrigerator or freezer, they might get pretty nasty if you lose power for an extended amount of time. But a lot of times you can clean and deodorize um, the, uh, the refrigerators and freezers. So it, it is possible to, to save... Uh, a lot of your materials, uh, a lot of your uh, furnishings, maybe uh, your clothing, household items, and appliances. You're just going to have to be super careful with everything. Uh, tip number seven, and maybe the thing that you're listening for and wanting want me to get to, uh, maybe the thing that's most important to you. But when it comes to mold, tip number seven, mold sampling before mold remedi- remediation is a waste of time and money. And look, sampling for mold is part of how we make our living. So I'm telling you to not hire somebody like me to come in and do sampling before cleanup and before remediation. If you had something that got wet, if it looks like mold, if it smells like mold, if you think it's mold, then it probably is. And you don't need me to tell you that. And you don't need to waste time and money with me to tell you that. So just go ahead and get the mold remediated, get it removed, get it cleaned up. Uh, There's no good mold to grow indoors. So I'm not saying that I don't care sometimes what kind of mold I I see from sample results, but when it comes to storm recovery, I really don't care. So just don't waste your time and money getting the sampling done. Get the mold removed, get it cleaned up, while you're at it, if you're removing wallboard, check the back of the wallboard, check your sheathing if you're doing an exterior wall, but get the space white glove clean. No dust, no debris, no mold remaining as best you can. Now, where you might need to have somebody like me, and this is a good idea, is to get a valid, a good, thorough post-remediation verification visual inspection. That's what we call it anyway. Just a really good look around in the area where you did the cleanup, the remediation, the work. And, okay, did did we do enough work? Did we clean it up good enough? Did we do a good job on the remediation? Do a really good post-remediation verification visual inspection. And if you need to, do sampling at this time. And then, of course, before you do that, before you start the remediation process, really, you need to figure out, okay, when we're done... How are we going to verify the remediation? You know, set, set that criteria before you do the work. And then when you get down to the end and you get somebody like me in to do the sampling and the visual inspection for you, then we've either worked with you to determine what that's going to be or you hand that off to us and we say, okay, well, yeah, you want me to take five samples and here's the criteria and here's the kind of analysis you want and all of that. But that's when you do that work. That's when you do sampling if you do it at all. So... Uh, I know I've just worn this out, but dry the space, keep it dry, and almost last and maybe as important as anything that I could tell anybody that is going to go through any kind of storm recovery at all 
is if someone comes around to your home or business and if they're telling you that a mold-free certificate is required, run them off. It is a scam. You do not need a mold-free certificate for anything. Not a real estate transaction, not uh, uh, any kind of government authority telling you that you have to have a mold-free certificate. There is no law. There is no governmental requirement uh, for any kind of mold-free certificate. Now, that's not the same as a report saying that remediation was done successfully, but a certificate that somebody prints out and gives to you that says your building is mold-free, those are not worth the paper they're printed on. They are a waste of time. They're a waste of money. Do not waste your time and money getting those. If you want a mold-free certificate, I will send you one for free, and it will be absolutely meaningless. I cannot stress enough how much I think that is a scam, it is a fraud, and I'm just going to have to stop talking about it before I get really revved up about it because I've seen it happen. I've seen people get scammed over this. It drives me nuts. Um, So that's it for this episode, except we do have some useful information that we'll, we'll include with the show notes. There's some tips from LSU from Texas A&M, from FEMA, and uh, from EPA, tips on storm recovery, mold remediation, and and how to respond and how to keep yourself safe after a storm as you're recovering. Um, I hope you all are well, you're safe. If you or someone you know has been affected by Hurricane Laura, I hope you share this with them. I hope these tips can help you. and our prayers are with you. If there's anything that we can do to help, we will be in the southwest Louisiana region doing work um, here very soon. So, uh, you know, if you see us around, stop us and say hello. Uh, reach out to us. Uh, send me an email, um, you know, in the comments, whatever it is. Um, you know, if you have any tips that you'd like to share with others that are recovering, Uh, from Hurricane Laura. If you have ideas for uh, future show topics, please let us know. So I hope you all are well and safe, and I'll be sending out some some updates. Uh, Follow along on social media. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at ChrisWhitePE, and uh, I'll have some updates as we get going. And so until next time, thanks for listening.